Americans are drinking plenty, but the good stuff, well, not so much. We're talking booze and budgets. It is Monday, June 22nd. This is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown Up podcast, coming to you from my very grown up kitchen in New York City. And uh, coming to you live from outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihai. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Today's show is brought to you by AcreTrader. AcreTrader is where you go when you're interested in investing in farmland. There's a lot to it. So head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF. There's an explainer video and you can learn more about how farmland competes against commercial real estate, how it looks versus the S&P 500 against gold, against bonds and other asset classes. Acretrader.com forward slash MWF tells them that we sent you. So thanks for doing that. Bobby, we're talking booze on a Monday. That's exciting. Booze on a booze on a Monday, booze on a budget. Economic impacts. We're doing a very serious economic story. Well, it's serious actually if you're in the alcohol business. Well, so and in the alcohol, the spirits business. And I think as many of our stories, there are lots of implications here. So let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's show. This is David. And this is John from the Queer Money Podcast. It's time for today's headlines. Only at Money with Friends. Okay, this story comes to us from the New York Post. It is written by Lisa. Flickenshire. And I actually, I'm bungling her last name and I actually have met Lisa and she's a lovely person. So Lisa, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I destroyed your last name, but I think you're a great writer. And that's why I chose this piece. It begins upscale booze profits dry up as cheaper brands boom during the lockdown. Americans may be imbibing more, but they're not spending more. And that is hurting some retailers. The post has learned, by the way, this is a post exclusive. Since the coronavirus lockdowns kicked off in March, booze deliveries have been through the roof, rising as much as six hundred percent at one point, according to delivery company Drizzly. But retailers specializing in upscale wines and liquors say the uptick has not translated to higher profits because customers are also gravitating towards cheaper products to protect against growing economic uncertainty. Park Avenue's Sherry Lehman Wine and Spirits, which has been selling to well-heeled Upper East Siders since 1934 is just one of the many upscale wineries to feel the pinch as customers switch to less expensive brands. Quote from Chief Executive Chris Adams, quote, I'm not going to complain about our revenues because we're doing better than 95% of retailers, but we can't sell enough cases to quantify the loss of the high end. Instead of rare wines, the store is seeing its Bordeaux sampler cases fly off the shelves. They sell for $180, roughly $15 a bottle, Adam said. Quote, we have had a lot of success with bottles at the $12, $15, and up to $30 price point, but the bulk of our model is bottles that sell for between $40 and $60. Joe? It's always better when I don't have my microphone muted. For for <laughs> Grapes, the wine company in White Plains, New York, the trend is push sales down 35%, owner Daniel Posner told The Post. Our regular customers are buying inexpensive wine, spending $20 instead of $50 per bottle. <laughs> 
Posner said. To meet the demand, the store, which focuses on French wines, has been bulking up on more affordable bottles, including a 2018 Ayers Pinot Noir uh, Willamette Valley that sells for $19.99 and which Grapes has not offered for 15 years. Chad Brown, a fine wine collector in Winchester County, said it's all about the economy. Quote, everyone's concerned about their finances and employment. So while he and his wife are definitely drinking more, they're also buying wines that cost $35 or less as opposed to $100 or more. If they want a bottle that costs triple digits, they simply go to their temperature-controlled unit in the basement. Is that called a refrigerator? No, it's not. And pick out something they already own, said Brown, president of advertising company Cumulus Media National Sales. Sales. Uh, right now, and, and by the way, Cumulus Media, uh, uh, Bobby, we're actually a part of that. We're part of Westwood One, yes. which is a subsidiary of Cumulus Media. So he's with he's with the same network we're with, and he's drinking. That, that <laughs> says says a lot. Uh, right yes. now, right now, I dig something out of my collection before I'd spend more than $100 on a bottle of wine, Brown said. Michael Carrera, owner of Michael Town Wines and Spirits in Brooklyn, said sales in the early days of the pandemic were up by 20% over last year, but now they're flat as customers have fled the city and those that remain gravitate toward comfort brands like Kendall Jackson, Josh, and Santa Margarita. Uh, interesting, interesting story because... I think initially people didn't think this was going, I mean, it, we, we were told, right, that this might drag on. And in our, in our logical brain, we thought, well, maybe. But now I think as more and more people get it, that there might not be a normal for a long time. I don't think this is just booze. I think this is everywhere, Bobby. I completely agree. Um, even in other aspects of my spending, the little bit that I've done, I'm wearing, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, I'm wearing a new top and it was bought extremely discounted from a very discount retailer already. So I, you know, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what I spent, but very, very little. And I was like, well, I'm just kicking around the house. I want something bright. It's pink, everybody just to wear, you know, on camera and not be wearing a drab, you know, dark gray t-shirt. And so I just thought, okay, I'll refresh my wardrobe while uh, not spending very much money. So I think it is translating to the retail industry in general that people are kind of taking it down a notch in terms of their spending. But and, and I think this is this is really important because if we treat this like it's a like it's a um, a, a, a life lesson or a sociology experiment about how we all adapt and change right over time. I'm wondering if people, if you look at people's happiness, even though they're drinking cheaper wines, are they less happy if they're drinking a, in this case, a $35 wine, which to me, by the way, is still a big old wine. That would be probably a hundred bucks in a restaurant, I think, right? Sure. That yeah. $35 yeah. wine on retail. Yeah. Yeah. Versus a hundred dollar retail bottle of wine. In fact, we're, we're doing this live, which is why people got to hear my microphone uh, issue earlier. But uh, Julie's hanging out with us and says, who spends 40 to $60 in a bottle of wine? I'm a big fan of a good seven nope. to $12 bottle of wine. I think I'm, I'm with Julie, but still happiness, happiness. I, I would love to see a piece that shows happiness levels. Cause I think that for all the bad stuff going on, the fact that families are together more often, like I'm hearing lots of good side stories, people, people, you know, playing games with their family, going out for walks with their family, like lots of fun stuff that doesn't cost a lot of money. 
I could not agree more. And I have to tell you, the wine, the wine is a good analogy because I think that many people would not really care what price point the wine was if they could be with their friends that they aren't seeing now. I mean, I think that's what we really have learned to appreciate is nobody really misses having a more expensive bottle of wine or a more expensive wardrobe. As I was just talking about, I think we miss each other more than anything. And we're coming to an appreciation of that. And, and also the other theme here, or one of the other themes here is that, as you mentioned so well, we are settling in for what could be the long term. And even if you're still working or you're getting uh, support from other programs that have cushioned the economic blow for now, I remember when they said 14 days to stop the spread to us here in New York. And here we're going on, you know, three months in certain industries. It looks like they might not be back till at least next year. Um, that's a long way. And I think we start reevaluating every item in that budget that we have, everything we're spending money on. And, do you know, we may not want to cut out wine, but we may want to bring it down a notch in terms of our spending. Yeah, I think that. I think that this is a great opportunity to tighten the budget and look at over the past few months now, what's been important to you and what's not important to you. And for a lot of people, we're seeing the expensive wine not important, or, or maybe it is important, but in a different way. And I'll give you an example personally. I mean, part of this is because I'm moving, but but I've gone to the to the to the the uh, uh, wine storage area. I don't know about the temperature you don't control have a wine cellar, offsite Joe, unit in mom's basement. I do have a little wine fridge, which is nice, a little temperature, but it's very small. But, but, but I did have a couple really nice bottles of wine and we took those out and, and, and celebrated partly because we didn't go to a high end restaurant. You know, we couldn't for mm -hmm. some special things. I know for mother's day, we took one out and said, you know, we're not going to a restaurant like we usually do. So let's, let's, let's uh, look at, um, let's look at one of these things like this gentleman in the piece uh, that we have already here. And I've also noticed that some of the expensive stuff, like the expensive, you, you know how people get the expensive dishes and they never, they never eat off them because those are the expensive mm -hmm. dishes. We started doing that as well. By the way, it's super fun. You have it. Why not use it? Your children are grown though. Let me just point that out for all of moms <laughs> of young is, children here or parents, true. parents of young children. Don't go, don't, don't follow Joe so fast. Right. And also eating in the, eating in the <laughs> dining room where nobody ever eats. Right. Uh, uh, we've been, we've had more. I don't more, know about that concept here in New York. <laughs> we've had, what, what do you mean? <laughs> we've had more formal things in this room that, that hasn't been used that much. So I don't know this idea of, uh, of, of usability, using the stuff that you have and appreciating yeah. the things that you have, I think becoming super important. I've a lot of stuff actually working through my closet um, that's been great. So I think that's been something we've all now had time for as well. And also, I think that, you know, a lot of the things like family dinners, we say, oh, why didn't we do this before? But the truth is, we at least, you know, for me with three children on the move and a husband, working, we were moving in different directions and we literally did have schedule conflicts that could not be changed. That's why we weren't having family dinners, but those conflicts went away and it really has been great to sit down together. And it's something my now 13 year old son, one night we couldn't do it for some reason. And he said, well, aren't we having family dinner tonight? He really grew to like yeah. them. Well, so that's an important thing. Which also makes me wonder all this busy that we had in our lives that many people don't have now, how much of that was needed? How much of it was spinning your wheels? I definitely, by the way, even moving from 
moving from a little town of Texarkana to Detroit for the last 18 months, I can see the wheels spinning for people like the hamster wheel that people are on moving much, much faster here than I did Mm -hmm. in the little town. And yet I look at my own productivity, even though I feel my hamster wheel moving, I don't feel like I'm necessarily moving faster. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels a lot more, but I don't know that I'm moving. And and, and I can just imagine how that's even heightened in a place like Manhattan, right? The wheel spinning even more faster. It is interesting because I'm now splitting my time between Manhattan and a house in upstate New York. And um, I do feel differently now that you said that it's very accurate. I'm a little bit stressed out in New York. I feel like I'm in a rush. And yet um, when I'm in upstate New York, it seems more relaxed for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and it makes us, makes me wonder, cause you, you see these statistics that people spend more time planning a family vacation than they do their retirement. And if we, if we, took half an hour, 45 minutes. You and I, even before we started recording today, talked about some big decisions Cheryl and I are going through now. Namely, where the hell are we going to live? That, which, is, which is a pretty big one. But, but those walks and those discussions are, are fantastic. Like it's, it, it is, it, it's amazing. And it focuses us so much on what our next moves are. And all of these, all these things that in the past, you know, how we manage our money, how we look at our budget, what we do and what we don't do on a daily basis could be so affected by knowing where we're going. There's, yeah, I quote Stephen Covey a ton, I know, but he has, he has another book, not just a seven habits, highly effective people, but highly effective families where he talks about Bobby, a family mission statement. And if you're planning with other people, does your family have a mission statement? What are you heading toward? And Cheryl and I talked about that uh, several times and man, is that a fun, fun discussion. What are we doing? Like, what are we? Did you do it over an expensive bottle of wine? We, we, we did do it over, we did do it over wine and it was part of our weekly budget meeting one week. And it was, it was fantastic. I mean, we like getting involved with charities locally and not just giving money. We like getting involved by getting our hands dirty, by like being involved in the community. It's, it's a lot of fun. You're helping people in the community. And that's, that's a big piece of our family mission. I think that's great. It is, it is super fun. Well, I think we did, did we, do you have anything else to say before we, we wrap this up? Well, I have a big takeaway. Oh, well, let's, let's get, (laughs) let's get on that here in a a second. Uh, Before we get to that, let's just say thanks to everybody who has uh, checked out Acre Trader using our link. Cause if you use our link, that's how they support the show. They actually send us a little thank you for sending you their way, but that doesn't mean that Acre Traders for everybody. It is only first of all, for people that are accredited investors, you're going to want to look up what that is. That means that it is uh, not appropriate for everyone. And part of the reason is, is, is because your money's locked up in fields. You actually are renting part of a field to a farmer. Acre Trader takes care of all the logistics. You just own a little piece of real estate. And then every year the farmer pays you rent before the crop goes in. So you don't have to worry about whether it's a great year for crops or a bad year for crops. If you're somebody that doesn't know how to farm, don't worry about that. What you have to know is you own a little piece of the farm. You get paid once a year by the farmer. Acre Trader takes care of the farmer relationship and making sure that the soil is working well and is sustainable. They're in America's breadbasket in Fayetteville, Arkansas, right in the middle of the country and uh, down the road from one of the 
foremost uh, programs in agriculture at the University of Arkansas there in Fayetteville. And uh, they take care of all of that. When you look at the returns of farmland historically, since 1990, S&P 500 has averaged 11.1 per year, gold 5.4, farmland an impressive 11.5. And by the way, when I say those returns, that doesn't mean what you're going to get in the short term. So you really need to understand it. Watch the video understand how it works, acretrader.com forward slash MWF. All right, Bobby, I am on pins and needles. <laughs> What's the big takeaway? Look, I just think everyone has to brace themselves because it is becoming clear that we are in this for the long haul. And look, when this all started, alcohol sales were up. We even did a show about it. And thank you, by the way, everyone, for the hangover cures. We all appreciate that. Okay, <laughs> me, I appreciate that. Joe didn't really need them. But look, even big spenders have become worried. So this is something that's become a thing across based on what we know, many different economic demographics. And, you know, Economic times are, are interesting because our behavior changes, but it doesn't. We still have a need to do things that bring us little bits of joy and happiness. And, you know, having a drink with our family, maybe on a Zoom call with our friends, that brings us a little bit of joy. Even I remember my mom telling me when um, there was another recession, maybe when I was a teenager, that you know, sales of things like lipstick will go up during a recession because it's a little easy buy that will make people feel a little well, women and men, whoever wants to buy it, um, a little bit of a pick-me-up um, to feel better without busting the budget. So, you know what? Small things, do what you want to do, but keep within your budget. Let's all pick up some two-buck chuck. I learned about it, by the way, from my stepdaughter, Ashley, who's wonderful. <laughs> and so everybody listen to Ashley's advice, two-buck chuck. I don't even know if she likes it, but she picked it up. I tried it. It's okay. It, it will, you know, it's a bottle of wine. It's good. Um, toast to your good health with your family and friends. Ron hanging out. On budget. <laughs> Ron, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Ron hanging out with us, by the way, says Aldi wine, three ninety nine, headache free. So, oh, uh, but that's double the price. That's uh, double. Yeah, but I don't think two buck chuck is two, two buck chuck is, is not, not two bucks anymore. anymore. Uh, no, it, it's not. All right, I'll check with the experts here in the household. But it yeah. was two dollars for a <laughs> long time. But I don't. But I don't, it wasn't. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't terrible. No, I mean, if listen, if you're sitting around at a party and you just have something in your hand and you're sipping on something while you're talking to friends, who, who needs, you know, I mean, uh, Costco Chardonnay is is fantastic. Uh, uh, speaking of that, you know, there's two ways to look at anything, Bobby, when we talk about, about uh, this situation or any situation, and it is, this really stinks, or look at it as an experiment and, and what makes me happy. And I really like looking at things like this, like it's an experiment because it puts you back in the driver's seat and it makes you realize that happiness is something that's inside. And whether it's a hundred dollar bottle of wine or a $30 bottle of wine, one doesn't really make me happier than another. I decide if I'm happy or not. And so when I, when I decide that, you know what, I'm going to see how this affects my budget and what I can learn about this long-term. Cause like everything, mom says this will pass when this does pass. Will this change my spending habits and hopefully it will, or how much time we spend with our family or whatever. Um, I hope it does, but you can only get there. I think if you mindfully look at this as if it's an experiment. Ooh, you used a buzzword, mindfully. Mindfully. Yes. Thank you. That'll be a hundred dollars. Yes. I am a, I'm going to become a full-time consultant. Talk about out of the box thinking and how we could have some synergy in this show. 
So and no. make tons of money. Lots of win-win in, win. in a future invisible <laughs> world where where the conference the conference world comes back, which I hope it does. So many wonderful people. Lots We're of wishing you well too. Lots of win-win decisions mm-hmm. going on for the yes. whole group. All right. Yes. Uh, Bobby, tomorrow you are back, and who is your guest tomorrow? Harlan Landis. Oh, that's so good. From the Plutus Foundation. And actually, he is uh, also, uh, he's been the guest on uh, Financial Grown-Up this week. That's that's fantastic. I really like Harlan. I like the mission of the Plutus Foundation. And he always has some insightful stuff to talk about. So that's coming up tomorrow, guys. On behalf of Bobby, I'm Joe. We'll see you next time back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. The show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.